I thought that was Amy Lou Harris over there. That very good, Abilene. Very good. <clears throat> There's a little, not a little something, but a little something I say at the beginning of my sermon um, the last few years, and it's not a sing-song gimmicky kind of thing. It's it's uh, it's the truth. And if we don't understand this part, none of the rest of it makes any difference. Here's what we start with: God is real. The Bible is true. Jesus is alive. God is real. The Bible is true. Jesus is alive. When we can understand those things, then, uh, then we can open our hearts and minds to, to what his word has to say to us. Um, how many of you were at Christmas Eve service? I thought it was the best one in a generation. And uh, thanks to Nathan and crew, sound folks, all the people up here, good job. And there's something I'm having trouble getting past. Gary Gaminsky's got on a Mizzou hoodie. Did you lose a bat? <laughs> That's just, I don't know. Run the race with endurance. This morning, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapters 1 uh, through 3, running the race with endurance. Um, Nathan did a great job with the children's sermon and, and writer of, of painting a picture of um, we're going to run the race with endurance. That means we're going to have to endure some things, and that's what we're going to take a look at this morning. So if you'd stand and open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And uh, I'll read from the NIV version. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would add your blessing to the reading of your word, that you would open our hearts and our minds to understand uh, the lesson that you would have for us today. We thank you for a chance to, to be here in, in, our, in our, your house today, and it's it's our house, it's our home, it's our, our family, and we, we, that's how we feel when we're here, and we like to see our brothers and sisters, and, and uh, we're just so thankful for all the ways you bless our church in particular and our great country, and, and it's in your holy name we pray, amen. Jill and Nathan and Brian were kind enough to do what you... You see up here behind me with the, with the outline, the first thing we're going to look at is the event. And the event is the race, the race of life. Um, we're all, we all have, are running a race. We all started at a different place. We're going to finish at a different place. In the, the last part of verse 1, it says, the race marked out for us. So, in some ways, our races are all the same. 
Some of the expectations, some of the challenges are the same for all of us, but they're also, there's parts of it that are unique to every one of us as well. And so <clears throat> I think uh, when we look at those words that's marked out for us, it's not just, it doesn't just say run around, run wherever you want to. If you're going to, com if you're going to successfully compete in this race of life, you're going to have to run on the course. You can't go off just wherever. You can't run it backwards and be successful. You can't just not run at all and be successful. Um, our faith, our family, our friends, our education, our career, our recreation, our values, our choices, our opportunities, our challenges, they all blend together as we, um, as we go through life. And... Um, How do we know where to run? In Psalms 119.32, it says, I run in the path of your commands, for you have broadened my understanding. I run in the path of your commands. So God, uh, throughout, with it, through his word, uh, he tells us to love one another, don't steal, on and on. Uh, he gives us a blueprint for how to conduct ourselves, um, things that we shouldn't do, things that we should do. When uh, we have 5K races here at the, uh, at the YMCA, there's signs, there's arrows that tell you which way to go. And I suppose some people maybe download something on their phone and I don't know, it's going through their earbuds or something like that. But for folks like me, if we're in that race, we just run until we see an arrow and we don't know which way it's going to point or where the arrow's even going to be, but you, uh, you know that it's up there somewhere, and when you need to see the arrow, it'll be there. And so we start at the, you know, at the beginning of the race, and you're going to go, you know, keep running straight till you see an arrow. And typically, uh, we go over, we cross the, the highway, and we go around the park a couple of times, then we come back and we cross 54, and, uh, or Main Street, I mean. And when you come across and you see the Y over here, and you think you know the way. It's like, well, there's, I can see the top of the Y. MCA building right over there, that's the way. And then you go a couple more blocks and you see an arrow, and it points that way. And you're thinking, what? I, I think I know better. I think right over here. But that if you run that way, you're going to bust the course and... Uh, you're disqualified, okay? The, the, the race turns this way. And if you're going to run it, you have to follow those arrows. And there's a lot of times we want to we see the end. We want to know what's going to, you know, we want to know two turns ahead. And God keeps showing us, no, you need to run the race. And I'll, I'll show you where to turn if you'll, if you'll look to me. If you'll look for those errors, if you just blow on past them, um, you're going to be off the course. And if you, ever, if you ever overrun the signs, then there aren't any more. Then you're just out there thinking, well, where do I even go now? And so run in the path of his commands, we're told. The first... The words, the phrase right before the race marked out for us says, run with perseverance. 
Run with perseverance the race marked out before us. It's not a short race. It's not a sprint that's being described here uh, in this passage, but rather a long race. The word race comes from a Greek word uh, that's the same word that agony comes from. You have to go through some, on a long distance race, uh, you've got some ups and some downs. You have to endure. You have to persevere. Um, this morning I woke up and I was thinking about this sermon and I thought, well, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like persevering is a negative or that all the hardships and hindrances we have are all negatives because they're not. Those are good things. Having to work hard is a good thing. The Bible says it's good for a young man to have, or it's good for a man to have the yoke on his neck when he's young. It's good to work. It's good to overcome hardships. Uh, we studied in James this morning at Sunday school. It's good when we have trials. It helps us grow. Helps us be better. So today, when we're talking about in the Christian life, we're going to face some some trials and some hardships. Um, those aren't all negative things, okay? Maybe they're unpleasant at the time, but they, we'd be soft as butter if, if we didn't have some trials and some hardships along the way. And each one that we endure helps to make, gives us strength to endure the next one. It takes self-discipline, determination, and endurance to succeed in the race of life. Don't be dismayed when you meet some resistance. You're going to. I didn't walk four miles to school. I was uh, a generation later than that, but I did haul some hay uh, when I was a kid and some straw, and uh, you learn some lessons doing that. There's, the, there's kids that as soon as you start, and usually you start about right after lunch, when the dew gets off, the baler man starts bailing, and then you give him a couple hours head start, and right after lunch, you'll start hauling. And some guys will run to the first bale, pick it up and say, dude, this is so light, I can't even hardly feel it. And they throw it as high as they can. And they do that for about three bales. And uh, then they start slowing down a little bit. But it's when it's, you started after lunch and now it's after dark and you got some blisters opened up on both hands and you got a bee sting in your eyebrow and it's lightning over towards Perry uh, with more increasing frequency, and there's about three loads to left, about three loads left to go. That's where it's at. And that's when you find out who has it. And that's what it takes to be successful. And, uh, and, and, and life is exactly that same way. A long-distance race is that way. Um, when we, when we run, you know, we, two or three times a year we have 5Ks over here at the Y, and, and I participate in those, and there's always some people that, you know, in, in the first two blocks, they're smoking it, and you're thinking, well, I didn't really think they would be that fast. And then about block number three, they're like, hey, forget it. And they're, they're bent over and huffing and puffing, and then they, you know, they walk the rest of the way. Um, so it, it's a long race, and it's it's this tortoise in the hair. It's not, it's not how you start. It's how you finish and how, how you persevere. So when I retired from the, from the school and, and center in 2018 and in that fall, that winter, 
the YMCA opened up. I, it just coincided really well. To, I started running there in the wintertime and, and lifting weights there. And uh, I had to, was able had the time to do that. And I started running at the park in the summertime. That's where I do most of my running now. It's in the park early in the morning. And I don't tell anybody else you should run or you shouldn't run or you sh those kind of things. But you'd be surprised at how many people feel compelled to say something to me like, yeah, but it's easy for you. And I think to myself, well, you know, except for the surgery on both shoulders and this knee and severely strained hamstring and plantar facetus, I learned that term in this foot, and metatarsalgia in this foot, and that gray cat that springs out at me in the dark <laughs> on the west end of the park every morning. And all those mornings I rolled out of bed at 445, I think, you know, it really is pretty easy other than that. <laughs> so it is, I'd have, I enjoy doing it. I wouldn't if I didn't, okay? In a lot of ways, I guess it is easy because it's fun to do, and there's, and there's rewards that day and, and ongoing, is you get in better and better shape. But don't get, be in that crowd that thinks because someone else does something that it's easy. Okay, two years ago, Abilene didn't know how to play the guitar. Okay, she practiced and worked at that. All the folks up here, that, the music folks, they work at that. They, they, uh, if you're up here during the week, Ryan's on here uh, you know, delivering his sermon in here by himself on Thursday or Friday, sometimes on Saturday. If you're up here... When we're eating breakfast, he's over here working on his sermon. He's, he's saying it out loud again, and, and he's been working on it throughout the week. The folks that teach Sunday school, they prepare for that throughout the week. Um, so it's easy to fall into thinking everybody that's doing something that you're not, it's just easy for them. They've got the money, they've got the talent, they've got the time, whatever. But that's not how it is. The people that are being successful People are accomplishing things, are working at it. And it's just exactly the same thing in our Christian life. If we're not going to, uh, we're not going to try to get better, if we're not going to try to draw closer to God, if we're not going to spend time in His Word, if we're not going to come to Him in prayer, we're, going to, we're not going to grow as a Christian. We're not going to accomplish all that, or near what we could for Him. So run with. So don't, no, no, you could look at whoever you thought you knew that had the easiest, most perfect life, best health. You know, the kids were, were doing well, had, had a good relationship with their spouse, on and on. And I assure you, they have battles to, to fight and they have things to overcome. And it's not easy for anybody. So, we go back to the very the first part of verse 1, we see the encouragement. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we all need encouragement and motivation. A little bit of encouragement takes us a long ways. Um, when it says, it says, therefore, it's referring to something from the previous chapter, and chapter 11 is called the roll call of heroes of faith. And just about every Old Testament character you can think of that accomplished something uh, with God's help, Abraham, Noah, 
Abel, Rahab, Gideon, uh, King David, uh, on and on, are listed in chapter 11. And it says, because they had faith, they were able to do this, they overcame this. And then at the end, it talks about some folks that, some unnamed people that says they, they lived in caves, they were sawn in two, they were persecuted, the world was not worthy of them, um, but they were looking towards something better. They were looking um, to their heavenly home. They were looking to please God. So we have those, uh, and it says there are a cloud of witnesses that surround us to encourage us to keep going, to go to work through our struggles because other people in the past have done that. We also have those folks that in our life that have gone before um, that we, we see their example and how they overcame and the things that they achieved. And I don't know at what point in your life you get to where you know more people that are gone than you know people that are here, but, um, the old, you know, as I get older, I have more and more examples of, you know, folks that are gone that uh, I look at how they lived their life and, and, you know, try to not do things they did or do things that they did. And then we have the folks that are right here with us every day. And... Um, we want to be around people that are positive and encouraging, and we want to be people that are positive and encouraging. So a little bit of encouragement goes a long way, and um, as, as does discouragement. So try to think about, you know, are you someone that, that makes life more positive for others? Are you someone that's discouraging to other people? Um, I can think about some teachers I had in school, um, you know, that, that get said, hey, you did a good job on this. And 45 years later, I still remember that. I don't know if, if they do or not, but just, um, just a little bit of encouragement really motivates us. It can take us a long way. So we want to be an encouragement to others, and we want to... We want to uh, um, put ourselves in position. We want to be around other people that are encouraging and that are positive. Hebrews chapter 10, two, two chapters before, verses 24 and 25 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Um, when I, I'm lifting at the Y, there's typically... Um, some ladies that are walking the track, and sometimes they're by themselves, but it's more common that uh, they're walking with somebody else. Or maybe they started walking by themselves, and somebody else came in, and they got together, and they're walking around together. And you can just tell how much uh, more fun, how happy they are when they have somebody to walk with. And um, there's two things they talk about, their grandkids and going to Walmart. I mean, every lap, it's, we were at Walmart, but we're going to Walmart. Well, I was at Walmart, and, and, the, and their grandkids, of course. But it makes them happy to have somebody to walk with them. And when we have someone to share our walk of life, our race of life with us, it makes it it's so much easier and so much more pleasant. And if we're running a race, if we have someone to run with us, uh, they can help us be be running our fastest, but without, you know, if they're too fast, we can't run with them. But if you find just that right person to run with, 
in a race, you're both faster and it seems easier because somehow you're pushing each other along without really pushing each other. But having that person uh, beside you as an encouragement uh, really helps. Um, when I, uh, in the uh, Winter Olympics, the European countries, the big thing for them is to ring those cowbells for the skiers. And uh, sometimes when I'm running and I'm getting towards the end, and I, you know, it's like, I don't know if I can take another step. You know, imagine those cowbells. It just, I, I mean, it, it just does something for you. Motivation just, it's, it's hard to explain just what the right motivation can do for us. And uh, when I think about those cowbells in the Olympics, it's just like, oh, yeah, I can, I can go another lap. I can finish this. So, so we need encouragement. The next uh, thing we come to here in verse 1 is the encumbrance. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. What we talked about at the beginning, it wasn't going to be easy. So there's things we have to persevere through that are just going to be there. There's other things that we have in our life that shouldn't be there that are holding us back. When Ryder had the backpack on, uh, if you're going to run a race, that's not a good idea. That's just holding you back. So, uh, you know, get rid of, cast off that weight uh, so you can run your best. An encumbrance is a burden or an impediment, and uh, we hang on to a lot of them. In uh, the handicapped, or when a race, a horse race is said to be handicapped, it means they, different horses were assigned different amount of weights to even them up. Um, and if you are carrying a few extra pounds, well, you wouldn't think on a horse, if you had 10 extra pounds, let's say, over a mile and a quarter race, it'd make a difference. Well, it makes a big difference. And uh, same thing with us. We have extra baggage. Uh, it, it's pulling us down. Uh, life is uh, it's strenuous and it's continuous. And it's when we have when we're carrying extra weight, we can't be at our best. Um, a year ago, it's hard to imagine now, but a year ago, this part of our building over here had uh, no heat, um, no um, no electricity, and it was just full of uh, a lot of stuff. Okay, just amazing amount of stuff was 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 in there, and uh, in fact, it was full, and that was probably the biggest hindrance we had in moving forward with that was what are we going to do with all this, these cardboard boxes, all these extra Christmas decorations, all these, um, you know, things from, from long ago. Uh, and when we moved, we, we, we moved a lot of that to the dumpster. We moved some of it to other places. And when we got that area cleaned out, then it's pretty straightforward what we need to do. Uh, we were able to build the walls and, and you know, the other things in there. And, and now, uh, you know, we're able to enjoy that area for Sunday school. But until we got um, the things out of the way that we didn't need, we couldn't, run or, we couldn't effectively run our race over there because we, we were carrying that backpack with all that weight just slowing us down. Um, so... The previous chapters of Hebrews are 1 through 10, 
talk a lot about religious tradition, uh, rit ritualism, Jewish legalism, and these are folks, first-generation Christians that had been a part of that, and it was really hard for them to separate, okay, this is the old that we don't need, this is the old that we need to keep, and this is how we need to move forward in our new relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the writer of Hebrews is telling us here, um, that stuff holds you down. That stuff holds you back. You've got to set that aside. A church or as, as us as individuals, we only have so much energy. We can use it or we can waste it. There's only so much. And if you, uh, if you spend time spinning your wheels, you're not going to get anywhere. So then in that passage, so it talked about things that hold us back. Then it says, and the sin. So it's, it's two different things. There's things that aren't necessarily sin that are just weighing, weighing us down. But then there's the sin that so easily entangles. And when we think of sin, uh, for me, for probably most of us, we think about the list of things that get an R-rated movie rated R. Okay? But it turns out there's a whole lot more things that are sin. And John chapter 1, or 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. We all struggle with sin, whether it's laziness or gluttony or greediness or jealousy or bitterness or on and on and on. Uh, it's something we all struggle with. And if we're not, <clears throat> we don't fight against it, it's going to entangle us. It says it tangles, it's easy for it to entangle us. Uh, if you think about walking through a briar patch, um, you try to bust your way through, and those briars grab a hold of your jeans, and it slows you down. You lose momentum. Okay, then you turn and try to go through sideways, and then you reach over to take this, unhook this one right here, and then another one's got you, and you just get more and more entangled as you try to fight your way out of those, uh, through those briars. Uh, sin is the same way. It gets a hold of you here, it gets a hold of you here, it grips tighter, and uh, uh, on and on. The first casualty of sin in the life of a Christian is that it causes separation between you and God, just like, just like Adam and Eve. When they sinned, their communication with God was broken. He didn't stop loving them, he didn't stop caring about them, he didn't stop knowing all about them. But they ran from him. We can't harbor sin in one area of our life and try to effectively run our race as fast as we can. On the other hand, it's just we can't, we can't have a, a great relationship, a great growing relationship with God in all these ways, but we're holding on to this over here. Uh, it's not going to work like that. So we're willing to say, I don't want, my, I don't want to hold on to my sin. I want you more than I want any of that. And I'm willing to set all that aside. And if you reveal it to me, I will confess it. And, I, and that doesn't mean we're not going to struggle with it, that we're not going to have temptations, that we're not going to be imperfect as long as we're in this life. But if we we're, uh, if we're, know it's there and we're holding on to it, we are not going to run the race effectively that God wants us to run. In verse 2, we see the example. Jesus is always our perfect example. And in this passage as well, uh, the first part of verse 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. 
the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. We need to run with the, with the goal in mind. And Jesus is a perfect example of that. He authored or created our faith. If you're the author of a book, you wrote it. Says he's the author of our faith. Okay, he origi it originated with him. Okay, long before we ever reached out to God, he reached down to us and, and cared about us and loved us. Um, so he's the originator of our faith. He's also the perfecter of our faith. So he, as we run our race, we're being perfected. Uh, we're, we're getting, our hearing's going, and our vision's going, and our memory might be going, but uh, as we run our race of life, uh, we should be drawing nearer and nearer to God. We should understand Him better and, uh, and love Him more and appreciate Him more if, we're, if our faith is growing. Jesus overcame hardships. Any, anything that we would consider hardship would, wouldn't even compare uh, to what he endured. Uh, he endured hardships, temptations, discouragement, injustice, violence, um, ridicule, rejection for a greater cause. It says here, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So he was, uh, when he took on that suffering and, for our sin, uh, he knew that there was something better ahead uh, for him and for us. Okay? He was, um, was going to return to his glorified position at the right hand of God, and he was going to make the path clear for us to be reconciled to God because we, we can't fix our sin problem. Only Jesus Christ can um, because of what he did on the cross. Any... any uh, when we get to the part about what Jesus did, any earthly example seems so far below, they in some way uh, seem out of place. But when Jesus, when he preached, uh, he was constantly gave down-to-earth examples about farming and, and different kind of things so the people could understand. And um, when I thought about this idea of, of, you know, enduring now for something better, um, it's, it's the same with us. We have the hope of uh, ultimately of heaven and of growing closer to God, uh, but um, so it's not, we don't only run for the prize, we don't only run for the end goal, but it's, it's, a, part, it's a big part of it. It's out there in front of us. In the, the last part of verse 2, it talks about the end. This is Jesus. Um, he endured the cross and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus had run his earthly race to perfection. He received his ward. We can't know the joy of the finish line without running the race. If they had high school graduation on the first day of school, it wouldn't be the same. It's like, let's just get that out of the way. Let's just have graduation first thing. It'd be like, well, that's just dumb. I mean, if if you don't run the race, then the prize doesn't mean anything. Same thing with retirement. Um, until, you, until you've done the years of time to get there, it's, you, you don't understand. Um, your anniversary is, I mean, that's something that celebrates 
an accomplishment. Okay, you have the anniversary at the end of the of the the if you have to be married 50 years, then you had the 50th anniversary celebration. And um, you could go outside right now and put your head under a hydrant, but it'd be a, kind of a dumb idea. But if you spent that day hauling hay, it's a wonderful idea. And uh, if, if you, this, so the reward, um, you don't understand it and doesn't mean anything until you've, until you've done what it takes to get there. One of my former students came to see me one day and uh, he was in the military, and he had his uniform on, and he had that little bar right here with the different colors. And he started explaining to me what each one meant. He got about halfway through, and he said, oh, I know you don't, that you don't understand. It, it doesn't mean anything to you or, or, or anybody else that's not in the military. But if you knew what it took to get that, it would mean something. And uh, it's the same thing with the, what we accomplish. Um, I thought, uh, this, it, this came to me a while ago when I was sitting over there, more practice, less time in the portal if you want to get somewhere because we, more and more we see, oh, this didn't work, I'll do something else. I'm unhappy, I'll go a different direction. I didn't have instant gratification. I wasn't respected, whatever. I'm going to do something different. They keep working hard, keep persevering, keep enduring, and, uh, and those good things will come to you. And then finally in verse 3, we see the exhortation. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The most profound thing you can do is last. Hang in there and keep running. There's no highlights from a long-distance race because it's just one step or another step. There's no big plays, okay? It's just you kept going, you kept going, you kept going. And um, it's the same uh, with our life. We've got to keep going. It's New Year's Eve. It's kind of, I don't know, here we go again. It, uh, they, they just keep, keep rolling by. And I thought about uh, a slogan for the coming year. The last time we had a big one was in 2020. And everywhere you looked, it said, looking ahead with 2020 vision. Well, that didn't work out so well. Uh, I don't think people knew what, what they thought 2020 was going to be is, is not what it was. Um, but my challenge for you today is be more in 24. Be more in 24. In some kind of way, be more. Be more kind. Be more uh, whatever. I mean, just in some way, be more. Um, if we consider what we're doing for Christ, um, if it's nothing, well, don't do nothing. Okay? In school, they'd always say, that's a double negative. It means the opposite. Well, exactly, it does. Don't do nothing. If you're doing nothing, don't do that. Read your Bible if you're not. Pray if you're not. Um, try to Ask God to put somebody on your heart that you can reach out to in some kind of way, that you can encourage, you can invite to church, you can help out in some way, but don't do nothing. Okay? If, that's what you're, if that's where you're at, you're doing nothing, well, that ought to be pretty easy to change. Um, so just take a step to, uh, a step in some way to get better and be more in 24. Um, I said... When I, when I get near the end of a race, 
and um, I'm getting tired. I'll try to imagine hearing those cowbells. Um, it's a lot like when uh, Brian says praise team. And uh, so praise team, you can make your way up here. And uh, that's always like a horse. You know, when you turn toward the barn, those ears go. Mm. And uh, it, uh, you think, hey, we are alive. And uh, so I thank you for the opportunity uh, to speak this morning. We want to keep Brian and his family in our prayers. And um, take it away, praise team. <laughs> 